Thanks so much for joining us. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our service today. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars guys real quick. We love you guys. Grateful for you. I was sitting there with, with my son, Cole. We're worshiping today. Our family's kind of, we got like different family members at all different campuses right now. But so today we're worshiping just the two of us together uh, down here in the front. And he just said to me right before I got up, he said, Dad, this is crazy. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, this is all started in your apartment. I said, you're right, son. It sure was. That's how it all started. God's big and he's not even close to done. And so he's not even close to done. Crazy. Well, I want to say also a special hello to our Stone Oak campus. I want to just mention, hey, guys, thanks for showing up and bringing your friends and your family. All the prayer. The whole team worked so hard last week. They had a grand opening. They had over 2,369 people at grand opening. Unbelievable. Blows my mind. But guys, God's doing something new at all of our campuses because while that was going on, we have, we have almost doubled in just the last few months at Westside. We, Broadfield's hitting new highs. We were at standing room only at 1130 last, uh, last week here at Broadcast. Rockport has completely outgrown the space they're in right now. God is doing something right now at all of our campuses. Padre Island, I mean, I could go on and on. It's amazing. So just thank you guys. There's something going on and it's bigger than all of us. And I just want to stop and honor God and just say, God, thank you for your goodness. You're just showing off. And we're so grateful for God, aren't we? He's so good to us. I'm sorry. I'm excited to talking today about fix my marriage. You know, I want to talk about this because you know, I am a marriage expert. I can tell my wife that she just does the same thing you just did. She just laughs. I don't understand. I'm excited to be sharing with you because I've been married 26 years. My mom and my dad have been married over 50 years. How great is that? Yeah pretty amazing. So I've come from a long line of good marriages and, and I don't want to blow, blow that, right? You know, I'm like, I don't want to be the weak link in the chain here. And so God has really blessed me. I got to watch my mom and dad and they're still going strong and just need to see them uh, married and happily married for so many years. And, and so I love that. And uh, I, I've been privileged from day one to, I just married an amazing girl. And so I thank God that she totally compromised and married me. And so, uh, that's the only decision she made bad. But you know what? It, it, she, she's such a blessing. I really am grateful to be married to pastor's wife, Barbie. She's incredible. And uh, I call her that. But she's, she's not only beautiful on the outside, she's beautiful on the inside too. And, and I will tell, tell you singles, if you want to do it right, it's you know, like marriage is like real estate. It's all in the purchase. And so you know, if you start off well in the beginning, it just pretty much goes well. And so it's really true. And so I'm really blessed uh, to have her in my life. And so more on that in a little bit. But I just want to take a moment. Let's say our mission statement together. What are we here to do as a church? Before I dive into the content, what are we here to do as a church? Why do we open campuses in San Antonio? Why are we building a building right now in Rockport? Let me tell you why. Because we're here to do one thing and one thing only. We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. That, that, that heart and vision has not changed from, from being in an apartment with five people to today, 21 years later. And so I'm just so grateful for you joining us in that vision to change the world. And we mean that, and we are sincerely ambitious to do just that. And so thank you for joining us in that. I'm excited today to talk about marriage, because here's the thing. Marriage is still really popular. 13,500 people in America get married every single day. Isn't that crazy? So marriage is still a very popular sport, and I want to encourage you that it can work. 
People say, oh, no, it doesn't work. It's just, you know, it's going to go sour. It's going to go bad. Not necessarily. I believe that God can bless you and bless your marriage. But you got to learn how to fix things as they break. Because that's going to happen with anything. If you're going to go the distance in your marriage, you're going to need to learn how to get along well with each other, how to honor one another, all those things. So we're here to talk about that today. I'm very excited that you're here with us. You know, the whole series is called Fix My Family. But if your marriage is broken, it's hard to have a fixed and strong family. And so we want to talk about the marriage relationship today. I heard about this couple. They, they recently had sent their last child off to college. Now they were empty nesters. So they were just kind of having a tender moment one night and, and she was sitting on the couch and he was laying along the couch with his head in her lap. And as, she, as he laid there with his head in her lap, she looked down and she pulled her, the glasses off her husband. And she said, honey, when I take your glasses off, you look a lot like the handsome young man I married. And he said, well, if my glasses off, you look a lot like the beautiful woman I married. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. That didn't come out right. It is a blessing to know that we can be married for life. It is possible. Those of you who think, oh, there's, in today's world, there's no way that's possible. It really is. And uh, not only is it possible, it's popular. A lot of people do do it. We, we always hear about the, the horrible statistic about those who don't make it, but so many do. And so you just need to know that. It, one of the privileges I get to do sometimes is, is, uh, is I, I get to do funerals and get to be a part of people's last moments. And I will tell you that oftentimes one of my favorite things to do and uh, I, I will be sharing this with a, 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 a woman in our church in, in just a few days here. And that is uh, because her husband passed. And uh, he was a great man, by the way. Great, great godly man. Went to our church a long time. But you know what I'm going to be able to tell her? I'm going to be able to say the same thing I've said to many others. I'm going to say, you know what? You did it. You made it to the end. You kept your word. You kept your promise till death do us part. What an honor to keep that kind of commitment. And I want you to be able to say the same thing that that precious woman of God is saying this week. And I know she misses her husband, but man, she did it. They did it together. They went the distance. What a beautiful love story that they have given their children and their grandchildren. And you can do the same thing. And that's what I want to talk about today. And so I'm so excited to tell you that I'm 26 years into marriage and I'm still grossing my kids out. It's a wonderful thing. I love it. God designed us to be in love for life. And so he's built us to do that. So how is that possible? I want to give you four simple things today that I really believe can help fix your marriage. And you may say, well, nothing's really broken. Great. I hope that's the case for you. But in case some things are breaking down, in case you're experiencing some conflicts and difficulties, how do you fix that? Well, you start with what I promised last week I was going to give you. I'm going to give you right off the, right off the bat here. I told you last week I'm going to teach you a principle that always works. Wouldn't that be great? Is there something that just always works? Here it is, and it's simple. It's not supposed to be complicated. It works. Here it is. Check it out in Scripture. It says in Proverbs 18, 2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. You ever been in an argument with your wife, men, and all you're thinking about the whole time is what you're going to say next? You're not really listening to her, or maybe, ladies, you've done the same thing where you're just waiting for him to take a breath so you can dive right back in with your, oh, I can't wait. Just, just take a breath. Just take a breath. Because I've got something I'm going to zing you with, right? Like I've got, I've got something to, 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 to fight back with, right? And so we're, the whole time we're not listening, we're preparing our next statement. So we're not actually listening to them. We're just busy thinking, oh, I, I know what I'm going to say to that. Oh, I have an answer for that. Rather than actually listening to them, we're just, we're just wanting them to listen to us. Well, look what the Bible says about that. It says in, in James 1.19, My dear brothers and sisters, always be willing to listen and slow to speak. Do not become angry Easily. I love the way the message translation puts it. It says, lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue, and let anger straggle along in the rear. Isn't that great? In other words, guys, you got two ears and one mouth. Use those proportionately. We should be listening twice as much as we're actually talking. But so many times we're just busy trying to make our point 
rather than actually listen. This may surprise you. If you really listen to your spouse, you actually may learn something. You may realize, oh, I, I didn't think of it that way. I never thought of it that way. I never saw it like that. So if you actually listen, it really is a game changer. So I want to challenge you, number one, to lead by listening to one another. I've had men tell me, you know, I'm the head of my house. You know, I always think if you have to say it, bro, you probably aren't. <laughs> and so if you got to say it, that's probably means you're not really the leader. It's like the boss and I'm the boss. That probably means you're, you're, you're not being seen as the boss, you know? And so, you know, I mean, uh, my wife would tell you that, that I'm the head of my house and all that, but I don't, that's not really something I'm claiming or I'm holding on to. I mean, yes, the Bible says to lead, but so how do I lead as head of my house? I lead by listening. I lead by serving first. If, if I'll become the lead server, the lead listener, then things tend to go well. And so, but if I make it about me and, and trying to lord it over someone, that's not going to go well. I mean, you know, try that one, right? Go home and go, I'm the head of my house. See how that works out for you, buddy. Let me tell you. <laughs> It's not going to go like you're thinking, you know, because the truth is, it's not something you claim. It's something you actually function in. And so how do you lead? You lead by being the first to say, I'm sorry. You lead by listening. You lead by, by thinking of the other person before they're thinking of you. That's how you lead. And so leadership means that, that you take responsibility to make sure your marriage is solid. And if it's not, you listen long enough to get it solid. So we have to learn leading is really, if you want to become a leading company, leading companies listen to their customers. You realize that? You know, one of the reasons why our church is thriving, God's hand is clearly on. I don't want to take that away, definitely. But I will tell you, one of the things I learned a long time ago is I don't write sermons based upon what I want to write. I write sermons based upon what you need to hear. So if I'll make it about you and I'll answer the questions you're asking, then you'll keep showing up. But if I try to say, well, I'm going to preach to you and show you how impressively smart I am, then no one wants to come. No one cares about that. Instead, if I'll say, what, what, what do you need where are you at? How can I meet that need? Then, then you'll show up. In other words, companies and individuals and organizations, even marriages that make it about the other person tend to be leading. And so if you really want to lead, then don't make it about you. Make it about them. And so it's amazing how that works. Just listen to the, the other person. It's a game changer. By the way, there did some studies. They found out that um, counselors that did this huge longitudinal study of couples that have been married for 10 years. They followed them, for, tracked them for 10 years after marriage. And they found out that the ones that got divorced versus the ones that didn't, that made it at least 10 years, they had, there was one consistency between all of them. They found out that those who 50% or their words or more were negative towards their spouse ended up divorced. There is a balance. In other words, I'm not trying to say you don't have moments of criticism where you share honestly with someone something you'd like to see change. I mean, we're not saying that you don't, you just avoid all kinds of conflict. No, I'm not saying that. But if you are consistently negative, you don't realize that you are setting yourself up for divorce. Your words have a big weight. And, and frankly, the best thing I can tell you is just to use your words sparingly. Talk less, listen more. It really is a game changer. If you'll just really listen, you'll, you really will learn something. So listen to one another. Now, this next thing I'm, I'm going to say may surprise you. It may even frustrate some of you, but I promise you I mean good by it. So hear my heart when I say it. Look at Philippians chapter 2. It says this, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. So Jesus did not walk around going, hey, you know I'm God's son, okay? You, you know I'm equal with God, right? I mean, you he didn't say that. He's like, how can I help you? What can I do for you? Jesus' mother shows up. Hey, they're out of wine. Can you hook them up? He's like, yeah, sure, mom, no problem. He goes, oh, I'm God. I'm not gonna do that. 
They should all be worshiping me. Everyone drop to a knee right now. Worship me. He didn't do that. He was like, oh, they're out of wine? Yeah, let me go get you some wine. He just, he came to serve. He came to help. What did he do with the disciples? He washed their feet. If I could show you the ultimate symbol of Jesus, it wouldn't be on the cross. It would actually be a towel over his arm. Serving others. Being there for others. So this may really surprise you what I'll say next. But I really believe if you'll do this, you will see a revolution happen in your marriage. You ready for this? It's not complicated. Here it is. Number two, give your spouse what they want. You're like, wow, it's so genius. It's pretty simple, isn't it? It's not complicated. You ever go to a good restaurant and the waiter or waitress, that you, you ever had just a really good waiter or waitress? You know, the kind that you're like, wow, that was like amazing. And you like want to tip more, you know, you're, you're tipping 20, 25% or even more because it was that impressive. You're like, wow. I bet that waiter or waitress just gave you whatever you wanted. They even anticipated what they thought you were going to want, right? Your drink is halfway empty. They're filling it up, right? The chips are almost out. They're bringing you a new batch, right? You can tell the kind of food I'm eating. But anyways... <laughs> So the point is, is that, right, they're anticipating it and they're just giving you what you want. Can you imagine if you go to a restaurant and you're like, yeah, I want to get a burger and some fries. You make the fries crispy and uh, no one using the burger, right? And then, they, and then they show up and they're like, here you go, here's your hot dog. And you'd be like, well, I, I didn't order a hot dog. You're like, yeah, I know, but I'm not in the burger, so I brought you what I like. <laughs> you'd be like, yeah, that's not how this works, right? You, you probably would not return to that restaurant. You'd be like, so I asked for this and you gave me that. That doesn't make any sense. And so I know this may really shock you, but I really think when it comes to marriage, it's the same way. Just give them what they want. This is not complicated. You're like, your wife has been complaining about wanting a little larger house. Just buy a larger house. I mean, I'm not trying to say go bankrupt, but I'm saying, is that, is that big of a deal? He really wants to golf. Let the guy go golfing once a week. I don't see the, the problem. Like, are you really going to stand your ground like, this is, no, I'm just, this is not going to happen. I mean, okay, you can do that and be alone. Like at some point, you recognize you married someone. And so if you married them, you should consider them and your decisions. You consider what they want. And so this, this may sound kind of funny, but I've just learned to give my wife what she wants. And if I'll do that consistently, guess what she does? She gives me what I want. And so we just end up trying to give each other what we want. And by doing that, things work out. You know how I know what to get my wife for Christmas this year? Because I'm going to ask her. It's not complicated. Hey, um, what do you want for Christmas? Because I've tried the whole ask around to her friends and, and I'm like, hey, what do you think she wants? What do you think? And I'm finally like, okay, this is just ridiculous. Just, what do you want? And so every Christmas morning, she opens up what she wants. She's like, hey, thank you for getting me exactly what I told you to order three weeks ago. I'm like, you're welcome. Was it the size you wanted? Was it? Okay, cool. This is not complicated. Why, is, why am I guessing at this? Just what would you like? Okay, great. Let's do that. And so there's nothing wrong with it. Just give them what they want. And, and for those of you who are like, I, but I have a problem with that. I just, I don't understand. I mean, I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't want to do what they want to do. Okay, that sounds great for a single person. <laughs> but you are not single. You married somebody. And they married you. And so instead, we should be giving each other one. If I'll bless my wife and just anticipate what I think she's going to want and just give her what she wants consistently, things tend to go well for Pastor Bill. Do I need to explain this? The truth is, is if I'll be a blessing to her, she wants to be a blessing to me. That's, that's just how that works. And so give your spouse what they want. Let me show you a verse on this. Psalms 116, right? This is, I bet, something you love about God. Think about this. Look, look, at, look what David says about this. He says this. And by the way, he says this over and over again, all through Psalms. I just picked out one example verse, but here's, here's what he says. 
I love the Lord for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. I love it. He's saying, God, you heard my plea. You heard my cry for help and you helped me. You turned towards me. You heard me and you, you helped. Another part of scripture, it says in Ephesians, the word to emulate or imitate God. So it's be God-like or godly. So one of the ways that we're godly is that we hear the cry, the plea of our spouse, and we respond. You want to be godlike, godly? Then listen to when they are pleading with you for something. Just do it. Typically, what they're wanting is not that complicated. It's oftentimes not that big of a deal. And so it's, it's causing more pain for you not to just do it. Just do it. And so I know that sounds really simple. You're like, are you kidding me? This is really what you, I came all the way this way for you to tell me that they just, just get what they want. Yep. Don't worry, they're sitting next to you and they're hearing this too. But if we'll just be busy giving each other what we want, then you know what? You end up blessed in return. And so it says in Galatians 5, it says, God called you to be free, but do not use your freedom as an excuse to do what pleases your sinful self. Serve each other with love. So my job is to constantly give my wife what she wants, not what I want, but what she wants. And she does the same for me. And so we end up blessed. And so oftentimes I, I just am like, what, what do you want to eat? What do you want to do? What do you want to go? What, great, let's do it. And then she said, no, no, well, where do you want to eat? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And so it, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's great. I, I, there's a place I like to vacation. So she always goes. And because of that, there's a place also in the year that she likes to go. And we always go there too. Why? Because I know what she likes and she knows what I like. And we, we love, like I, when I'm doing the vacation she likes, what makes me happy is to see her happy. And so it's not the place I would just choose, but I'm not miserable because I love seeing her happy. Like, I like that. It's good. And so we end up serving one another. And that's the way God intended for it to be. It's not always perfect. I'm not going to suggest it is, but it's incredible how that works. This is also one of the reasons why you want to marry someone who honors God. Because, you know, if you're married to someone who doesn't honor God, then what they want may not be God honoring. And so that's another thing too. You want to marry someone who's, who's God honoring. This is why the Bible says not be, do not be unequally yoked. To be yoked, by the way, that's not an egg term. Get that egg thing out of your mind. It's not eggs at all. It's an agrarian term. It was like a big piece of wood that they would string between two animals and they would strap the two animals to where they would walk lockstep together. So it's not just about you being a Christian, they're being a Christian. It's about you being a Christian and walking with God and they're walking with God the same pace you're walking with God. Does that make sense? So singles, I want to encourage you right now that maybe you're dating the wrong person. And so this may surprise you, but I'm actually really proud of the fact that I have broken up thousands of couples in South Texas throughout the years. <laughs> I'm very proud of this. Because of that, hundreds of couples, at least, have ended up married to the right person rather than staying with the wrong person. Oh, but I've been with this person for so many years now. So length of mistake means it's not a mistake. So we need to admit we're wasting our time and their time and so I just want to encourage you that that's not, God has something better. And so I actually want to challenge you singles to break up with someone that you can see for the God you can't see. And trust him that he will in his time, if you'll seek him first, then he will add unto you the person of your dreams. But you have to put him first. If you'll do that, God will bless you with someone in his time and in his way. He really will. I've seen this a lot. How many singles do we have right now? Raise your hand if you're single. We got a lot of singles on our campuses. Just hold your hand high. There's an opportunity to look around right now. This is your opportunity right now. <laughs> hold your hand up high. Come on, I'm trying to help you out right now. 
Because it's hard during worship, right? You're like, slow the music down. I can't see the ring finger. It's too fast. Just trying to help you out, okay? I'm just saying. The truth is, is that if you will hold out singles, God will bless you in his timing and his way. This may sound kind of funny, but I'm serious when I say it. You may, it, it maybe you've been dating the wrong kind of people, and it seems like the last two or three relationships have been really bad. That means your picker's broken. I said picker, let me be real clear there. <laughs> and so you may need to stop trying to pick the right person and just say, God, I'm going to date you for a while. And then let the Lord bring in his timing the right person. God really will bless you with that. I'm living proof that that works because God blessed me with Jessica and I am still living in that blessing. It's incredible. I don't know how the woman does not age. It's amazing. But she's so beautiful. Those of you who know her, you know I'm not lying. It's true. And so I'm very, very blessed. And so the truth is God wants to bless you with that too, but you have to hold out and wait and believe that God has someone and something better for you because he really does. And so you can only reach so, so far, but God's reach is so much further than yours. So if we'll wait for his reach, it's going to be better, I promise you. So I heard this story, it's really interesting, talking about giving them what they want. There was a woman, she went to see a psychologist that specialized in, in marital counseling. His name was Dr. George Crane. This is a true story. She went to go see Dr. George Crane, and she sat down in, in front of him at the office. It was her very first meeting, and he said, how can I help you? And she said, well, thank you for seeing me, doctor. Um, it's my marriage. I'm just really struggling. He goes, okay, well, is your husband going to come join you? No, I didn't want him to come. She says, okay, well, why? And she said, can I just be honest? He said, that's why we're here. Yeah, please, just tell me how I can help. And she said, I hate my husband. Okay, that's a pretty strong word. Like, you really, I mean, did you always hate him? No, I used to love him. Used to be attracted to him, fell in love with him, got married. I literally hate his guts now. Okay, so you want me to help you with that? She said, no. No, I want you to help me hurt him. <laughs> he was like, really? She said, yeah, I want to hurt him. I want to know how can I instill the most pain on this man who I hate so much? So he said to her, he said, okay, you know what? She said, I know that sounds crazy. He goes, no, I'm paid by the hour. I'm good. <laughs> he said, you really want to hurt him? She said, I really want to hurt him. She, he goes, I can help you with that. I can tell you exactly how to maximize the pain you can cause him. She said, that'd be great. Well, what do I do? He said, every day for the next 30 days, go home and always find good things to say about him. Compliment him incessantly for 30 straight days. Then at the end of 30 days, he will be so dependent upon your encouraging words. He will be hanging on every word and every belief that you say you have about him. And at that moment, start divorce proceedings. It will devastate him. She's like, that is pure evil genius. I love it. So that's what she decided to do. It's a true story. So she goes home, seriously, and she starts to compliment him like crazy, even though, you know, she's like, Ugh. but she just starts to compliment him like crazy, right? Two months passed, he hadn't seen her. Finally, she shows back up and he says, so how'd the plan go? Are you going to divorce your husband? She said, why would I do that? He's amazing. He said, do tell. She said, he's just so incredible. I don't know why I want to do that. I mean, things are going better than ever. It's just, it's amazing. This man is just so incredible. You see, he knew something she didn't know. He knew that compliments don't just work on the person you're saying them to. They also work on you. So this may surprise you, but men, go home and tell your wife how beautiful she is, and eventually you'll believe it too. Don't throw tomatoes. That was a joke. Okay, I was just. <laughs> but the truth is, every time you say how beautiful she is, you encourage yourself that she's beautiful too. 
and you will believe your own words. Women, if you don't think your husband's successful, tell him how successful he is and he'll become successful. Tell him how strong he is, he'll become strong. Tell him how sharp he is, how good looking he is. I'm telling you right now, words are powerful. They don't just take effect on the person you say them to, they take effect on you as well. It really, I'm telling you right now, some of you are gonna say after you end this message, well, Pastor Bill, that was a great sermon. I appreciate that. But I got a text earlier from my wife who's at another campus today and she said, great sermon, honey. It was, it was amazing. And after I saw that text, all of a sudden I turned into the sermonator. <laughs> That's all the encouragement I need to hear. I'm like, say it again, baby. I mean, that's all I need to hear is her encouraging words. Words are powerful. They can cost you your marriage or they can create the marriage of your dreams. Your words make all the difference. They really do. The Proverbs 31 woman, it says what at the end of the chapter? We forget this little part. It says, and her husband praised her at the city gates. Don't just compliment. Oh, no. Compliment in public. That's way better. Let all her friends hear it. And so why? Because there's power in your words. There's a ripple effect to those words. It really is powerful. And so I'm not trying to say manipulate someone. I'm trying to say just tell the truth on them because here's the truth. The truth is they are awesome. They are beautiful. They are incredible. They are strong. They are good looking. You know why? Because you thought all those things when you married them. But what happens is you begin to say, I need to fix this and fix that about them. And here's the problem with that. Nobody wants to be fixed because they're not a project. They're a person. And so if you're trying to fix someone, it's going to drive them crazy. Instead, I'm going to tell you something that may shock you. If you want to be married a long time, this is a real key. And Hollywood's not going to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you. Focus on all their strengths and talk about them all the time, then ignore their weaknesses. No one's going to tell you that. You're just telling me to ignore the problem. No, I didn't say ignore the problem. Ignore their weaknesses. If there's a problem, try to fix it. But you need to understand that some things you just have to overlook because this may surprise you, but they actually have to overlook some things in you too. So if you never overlook things in them, don't expect them to overlook things in you. We're all human and we all need that. And so instead of thinking, I'm going to find this picture perfect person that has no problems, which doesn't exist in the real world, doesn't, doesn't exist. That's a movie. That's a novel. That's a book. That's not real. If it was real, then why are Hollywood marriages last under a year? If they all knew what they were doing. So clearly that's not the answer. This is the answer. I'm telling you right now, you got to learn to overlook things. I heard about a lady, uh, grandmother, uh, her granddaughter said, grandma, you've been married to grandpa for so long. I don't know how many years it's been. She said, what's the secret to your marriage? She said, well, honey, when we got married, the first year of my marriage, I decided that I was going to list off the 10 worst qualities of my husband. And then I would choose to ignore those things. And she said, oh, grandma, can I see the list? She said, I never actually got around to making the list. But every time he made me mad, I would just say, that's on the list. (laughs) And then I would overlook it. That's really how you go a distance is you recognize that they're human and they're going to make mistakes. They're going to say dumb things and do dumb things. And you just got to overcome those by overlooking them. I'm not trying to say polish over and ignore problems. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that you deal with the problems as you can, but that doesn't mean fixing a problem is going to take away a weakness. We still are all human. So I want to challenge you again. Let me just say this. Lead by listening to one another. Number two, give your spouse what they want, as surprising as that may seem. It really is a game changer. Now, before I go any further, I want to just say next week you don't want to miss. Next week I'm going to do something that I'm scared to death to do. I've invited my entire family onto this stage with me 
next week to talk about our family and just kind of spill the beans on how we operate and how we do life. And so I'll have my beautiful wife up here with me. I will have my oldest son, Mason. He's 22, full-time student at Liberty, works at the church part-time in youth ministry. My son, Cole, he's on the front row here. He's 19. He's going to Liberty online uh, as well. Uh, they're both getting their ministerial degrees. He works in our media department. My daughter, Sophie, she's 16. She runs our family. She'll be here too. <laughs> It's going to be a lot of fun. Don't miss next week. So either next week is going to be incredible and God's going to use it powerfully or it's going to be my last week in ministry. I'm not sure which is going to happen yet, <laughs> but don't worry. I'm going to try to pay them all off this week really good. So anyway, so don't miss next week. It's going to be really fun. In fact, we decided to do something kind of fun since we're having fun with our whole family up here. We decided to shoot an 80s sitcom intro for next week. I kid you not. I'm not going to show it to you today. You got to come next week for it. But here's a snapshot of what we looked like shooting this video. Check this out. Yeah, there we go. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm digging my hair there. I just think it's amazing. I, I really love that. My poor daughter, look at the gear she's wearing. I mean, that is just, wow, that's painful. That's incredible. So it's going to be great. You don't want to miss next week. Join us next week. All my family will be on stage. It's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, enough of that. So let me just say this real quick, though. Some of you right now are thinking, okay, Pastor, this is fun. You're talking about loving each other, listening to each other, encouraging each other. Oh, that sounds great. You are miles from my marriage right now. Okay. That's fair. I mean, let's just be honest in here. That's fair. Maybe you're saying, Pastor, what you're describing is a foreign language and land to me. Okay. That may be where you're at. You may be saying, Pastor, we've already called lawyers. I'm beside myself. We're sleeping in different rooms. I don't want to touch him. I don't want her near me. Maybe that's where you're at. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you having the faith to come. Really, I want to thank you for that because that means there's something in you that's still open to something changing. And so this next section of the sermon is for you. And for all those who say, I don't want to get there, listen to this, please. Because it's God's word. I'm not that smart. God is that good. So I want to show you two other things that may surprise you. The first one may really surprise you, but let me show you something in Scripture. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters. Whenever it says, I appeal to you, that means he appeals to you. That means he's saying, please hear me out. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters. What he's really saying is, bro, sister, listen. Right? That's what he's saying, right? He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like, man, he's putting it on thick. Like, if you miss everything I say, don't miss this. That's what he's saying. Then he says this that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you. Now, let me read the message translation, the same verse, very powerful. He says, I have a serious concern to bring up with you, my friends. Okay, this is serious. He's like, I'm, look, he's basically saying, stop. Do not miss this. That's what he's saying. Using the authority of Jesus, our master, I'll put it as urgently as I can. You must get along with each other. Wow. Now most of, I would think like, if you're going to say you must, it'd be like, you must pray. You must go to church. You must be generous. You must forgive. You must serve each other. No, no. So he said, you got to get along. Wow. That's, I mean, seems kind of basic, right? But you know, you can miss the most most basic thing in marriage and, you know, you can, oh, I love God and they love God and we're both Christians and we both go to church and we're trying to raise our kids in the world. You can do all that and still not get along. 
have to choose to get along. He says, you must get along with each other. You must learn to be considerate of one another, cultivating a life in common. Oh, that's interesting. See, I, I, let me ask you a question. Are you living two separate lives in the same home? Do you have anything in common? I, for years, I couldn't convince my wife to get into football. I just couldn't do it. She's still not into it. As much as I still want her to get into it, she's like, she's just not. Right? She's tried to convince me for years to get into decorating and shopping. I'm just not. I'm just like, yeah, sorry, that's just not me. I go to the mall, I'm like a hunter. I'm like, what do I want? You want that blouse? Bag it. That's what I think. I just, that's guys. That's just, I'm like, you ready to go? We got it, right? We're good. And she's like, no, 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 I want to go. And she's like touching everybody. No, there's maybe one different here. Let me go through them. I'm like, they're all the same. They're all the same. 60 of them in a row, all the same. Well, there may be something different. Let me just see. We're just different. I decided I was going to take her to a sporting event, so I took her to a Rockets game. No lie, this happened. This is when we first got married. She was a teacher at the time. I was in seminary still, and she was a teacher. And so, and so I remember I took her to the Rockets game. I was so excited. It's the Rockets game. I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is going to be so great. She brought papers to grade <laughs> during the game. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm just grading papers. You know? And she's like, oh, yeah. I mean, she barely knew there was a game going on in front of us. At halftime, at halftime, she goes, can we go? I'm kind of tired. I was like, no, no, we cannot go. It's like half a game left. Are you kidding me? And that's when I realized, like, she is never coming over, and I'm never going over. Like, it's just not going to happen. I'm not going to get into shopping one day. She's not going to get into sports. It's just not going to happen. So we had to find a third area that we could just choose to, to get into. So we just, we, we like to travel. And so, and then you may think, well, if I had money, I'd travel. No, it doesn't have to be expensive. We, we were doing this when we were pretty broke and we just would still travel. And so I would find ways to do that. I would, you know, go speak somewhere and say, can I want to tack on two or three days? And, oh yeah, there's a great resort here. You should say that. And so we'd figure out a way to go real cheap or even free. And then, you know, as we began to climb a little bit in our careers and then we had a little more resources to do it. But I mean, we did and we had nothing. And so, and it became kind of a third thing that we both can agree on. Or maybe for you, you just need to choose a hobby that you both learn together. Just do something together. What are you doing together? Have something in common, something you get along with. And so for me, I actually enjoy planning a trip as much as I enjoy going on it. So like, we'll be like, like we'll come back from a trip. Where do you want to go next? And we're not going to go for six months, but we're going to plan it. And I'm buying books on it, going to websites. Oh, check it out. They got this restaurant here. Oh, you know what you can do there? You can do this and do that. And so we enjoy that. So that's just like a third thing for us. It may not be for you, but whatever it is, find something that you can do together. Years ago when the kids were little, we would all go to the beach together with the kids. And it was a lot of fun. And the kids would, you know, get sand all over them. And we'd have so much fun. And I'd, you know, put the boys on my surfboard and push them out into the waves. It was, it, we really loved that. And it was just something we could do together. Neither of us really went to the beach a lot as kids. And so but now we live by it. So we're like, let's make that a thing. And we did. So find something you can do together. Don't ask them to come over to your side. Oh, come, just do what I like to do. Or you come do with, you know, what, what they want. Find something that neither of you probably are into to begin with, but you can begin to get into it. Try to find something, a third option. I want to challenge you to do that. But this is the reason why I bring all this up. Number three, the devil wants to divide you. The devil wants to divide you. Just knowing that should cause you to be more protective of your marriage. Now that you know that the devil literally wakes up every morning and, and his insidious plan is to destroy your marriage. Knowing that should make you more protective of what you say and what you do. Well, now I want to be careful because the devil wants to divide me, so I'm going to stay away from the water cooler because this person keeps going to the water cooler and they seem a little flirty, and so I'm just going to not go there because the devil wants to divide us. Make sense? 
And so the devil wants to divide me, so I'm going to guard my eyes. The devil wants to divide me, so I'm going to guard what I hear. The devil wants to divide me, so I'm not going to watch sitcoms. This may sound funny, but I'm serious. I'm not going to watch sitcoms that encourage divorce, that encourage berating your spouse. I don't watch sitcoms like that. Does that make sense? You may think, well, come on. I mean, there's hardly anything to watch. There's some truth to that. So I have a pretty limited, you know, uh, view of what I watch, honestly. And so and I'll watch something for a few minutes. I'm like, oh, man, I don't like what this is, the picture they're drawing here. Like, so the dad's an idiot. That's the picture being drawn. The mom is frigid and doesn't care. And I'm like, I don't like, no, I'm not, I'm not watching that. Because that's not a truth I want in my head. So I want to encourage you, guard your mind, guard your thoughts. The devil wants to divide you. Don't let him win. Guard your marriage. Fight for your marriage. Don't fight with your spouse. Fight for your spouse. God has so much more for you. 2 Corinthians 12, I'm going to close on this. This verse may surprise you, but this is what I really feel that you should hear today because we all need this. I know I need it too. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I'm, I'm content with my weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I am what? Strong. So this may surprise you, but I think the best thing you can do to strengthen your marriage is to go home, last point, go home and admit to your spouse where you're weak. Just, just admit it. First of all, they're not going to be surprised. You're going to go, hey, I want you to know, babe, I really struggle with my temper. She's going to be like, yeah, I know that. <laughs> like whatever you're struggling with, they already know. Because they live with you. They're aware. But if you'll admit it. See, what we always want to do is we, we want to confess the sin of our spouse. No, no, no. Confess your own sin to your spouse. Like, this is where I'm weak. This is where I struggle. And here's what will happen if you do that. If you'll confess your weakness, let me tell you something. Here's the spiritual truth. And I don't care whether you're single or married. This applies to all of us. This is a great spiritual truth. Here it is. God is drawn to where you're weak. The Holy Spirit, your weakness is like a magnet to the Holy Spirit. Your humility and your weakness will draw the power of God. I used to think for years, but I was told, oh, in seminary, it teaches, oh, don't tell the church your weaknesses because then people won't respect you and come to church. I have found the exact opposite to be true. If I'll get up and share where I'm screwed up, where I'm weak, where I'm messed up, it draws more people. Because then people are like, oh, me too. I so get that. So by admitting my weaknesses, it invites the power of God here to work on all of us. If you admit your weakness to your spouse, you're inviting the power of God into the very area that's supposed to be the weakest area of your marriage can become the strongest if you'll simply invite him. You may say, Pastor, you're not giving me the next step, the next answer after that. I don't need to because God shows up. If you'll just confess it to one another, God will show up, and that's when the healing begins. I'm not supposed to fix your marriage. He is. Amen. Invite him, and he will. He really will. Would you pray with me? Every head bowed across all of our campuses right now. Maybe right now you want to reach over and just put your arm around or hold the hand of your spouse if you're sitting next to them. Just squeeze their hand, let them know that you're, you have a plan that this afternoon you're going to sit down and just talk and just share your weakness with one another. Just say, man, here's where I'm just not good. I'm just, I just struggle. You see, the Bible's pretty clear that marriage is a picture of our relationship with God. Did you know that? I believe, by the way, that's why the world wants to attack marriage. 
I believe that's why the world wants to attack the biblical definitions of marriage. I don't have time to go into all this, but I will just tell you this. The devil wants to destroy that because then he's got a good shot at destroying your ability to see God. So anything that, that is made in the image of God, he wants to destroy, which is why he wants to destroy you and he wants to destroy marriages. If your head bowed and your eyes closed, now you know the devil's after you. Guard yourself. Guard your words. Guard your action. Guard your marriage. Protect what you hold sacred which you hold dear. Guard your marriage. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if God wants to have a picture of what his relationship is like with us, he actually calls us the bride of Christ, then doesn't it make sense if our marriage is a picture of God and his love for us that we learn to forgive one another? That we learn to show grace? Guys, the truth is I've learned more about the grace of God, not from my seminary degree, I've learned more about the grace and love of God from my precious wife who has repeatedly loved me when I was unlovable. That's the beautiful thing about marriage. It's loving a broken man. It's a woman loving a broken man and a man loving a broken woman. It's a beautiful thing. It's saying when the whole world rejects you, I will not. I will stand beside you. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, Admitting your weakness is also the first step to a relationship with Jesus. When you admit that I, I can't get to heaven on my own, I'm not good enough. I need a Savior. You can receive Christ right now by praying a very simple prayer. Would you pray this prayer with me? We're going to say it out loud together. You can say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. You paid the price for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.